This episode is brought to you by No Pants. It's not just a slogan. That's how we roll. This is Jonah Fixes Your Shit. I'm Jonah, and I'm here to fix your shit. Drama keeps on coming, don't quit. Don't quit. Admit you can't commit, so make a choice and throw a fit. There's only one thing to do. Let me fix your life for you. Whatever the fuck questions come through, I'll fix that shit up for you. Here's how the show works. People have internet conversations. I snoop those conversations, find questions that people are asking, and then I answer them on this show. If you have a question for me, I don't give a shit. You can go to at Jonah of the Sea on Twitter or Jonah Fixes Your Shit on Facebook, and I won't message you back or even acknowledge you. Before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to talk about profanity. After listening to the pilot episode, it occurred to me that my go-to profanity is a little stale. There are whole subcategories of profanity that I have, for better or worse, ignored. So I'm going to take this opportunity to challenge myself. Today's show is going to feature lots of variations on the word piss. I don't use the word piss very often, and that seems like an oversight. There's so much potential. Let's get our piss on together. This is the Q&A section, where I answer five questions. Softballs and snowflakes. Question number one. I found this question on Reddit's Wrestling School Forum. Ace Edwards asks, What is slash would be your ring name? How did you come up with it? Well, Ace, that's a fine question. As a pro wrestling referee, I went with an industry standard name, Referee Jonah. Maybe it does sound like warm piss, but I think it works because people won't remember it, and that's kind of the goal of a ref. Be invisible. Don't pull focus. Don't piss yourself, unless it's part of the story. As the manager for the short-lived NorCal Tag Team Space Force, I went by Commander Cosmos. We were a comedy act. I wore a lucha mask and wanted a name that conveyed sci-fi goofy. My two career highlights were tapping out and causing my team to lose even when I didn't know I was in the match. The other one was getting knocked off the apron by R.J. Kratos, who now works in New Japan. Ace Edwards, glad I could fix your shit. Number two. Chris on Twitter asks, Why don't you have this book? Get it now before it's too late. First of all, Piss Wizard, I don't want your book. Second, you bring up a good point. Let's say I knew how to read. And let's say I like to read books. And maybe I even like to read the kind of book that you wrote. You acting like a piss kidney, trying to shove a digital book up my ass, ain't gonna get me to read it. Getting on Twitter with your dick out yelling, buy my book, is like walking around a sci-fi convention yelling, buy my book which is different from going to a sci-fi convention, renting a table, and putting up a sweet troll banner and a sign that says sweet troll books here. If I'm down for some sweet troll book, best believe that I will find you. Chris, glad I could fix your shit. Number three. This comes from the Facebook forum. Sounds like a weirdly specific question, but okay. Christopher asks, 
is a bathroom with no stalls, a toilet, and a urinal for one person or two people. Christopher, I am glad you asked. When I was in college, as a side note, y'all are going to learn to love when I start an answer with when I was in college. When I was in college, I spent a year living in a nearly condemned house that had two toilets right next to each other. While it is true that there was a shower curtain hanging between them, you had to walk past the first to get to the second. You could pretend you were somewhere else, but really, you were in this piss party together. Now, if you're in public with a cowardly American man in one of those mysterious bathrooms, you can pull back your piss flaps, go back to back, and get it done. But if you's gotta do number two, well, you're probably safe treating it like a one-man room. The real answer is, if you're not piss-phobic or wiener-shy, these rooms are for two people, sometimes three. That was a good night. Christopher, glad I could fix your shit. Number four, from the Google Applicant Questionnaire. If you wanted to bring your dog to work, but one of your team members was allergic to dogs, what would you do? Google, this is a stupid question. If I want to bring my dog, I'm bringing my dog and you can't do shit to stop me. Every day is bring your dog to work day and if you don't like it, you can piss up a rope. Google, glad I could fix your shit. Now give me a job. Number five, Balance Media compiled the top searched questions about exercise. Here is one of them. Which exercises help with weight loss? Well, Balanced Media, this is actually a bad question. I'm going to shove some semantics up your pisser. And warning, this question is also... Do some research. First, very few people give a fuck about weight loss. People care about burning fat. Weight loss can be as simple as reducing sodium and then pissing out over 10 pounds of water weight. That shit's real. But most people don't want that. Most people want to burn some motherfucking fat. So, I would replace weight loss with burning body fat. Second, the word help is as distracting as a surprise piss in the face. How do you measure help? You don't. It stings your eyes, and yet it's also vague and useless. So, I would replace the word help with the phrase effective and efficient. Now, here's the real question I would ask. Which exercises have been proven in peer-reviewed scientific studies to be effective and efficient at burning body fat? That's a real question. What we really want to know is where I can get the biggest bang for my exercising buck. Because if jumping jacks were proven to effectively and efficiently burn body fat, I'd jump your jack all day while pissing away the sodium. And you'd do it too. You know you would. Here's the scientific proof that nobody wants to hear. There has never been a high-quality, peer-reviewed, scientific study that has definitively connected burning body fat with any exercise ever. Want some research? Does your piss taste like honey? Here we go. The Physical Activity Guideline Advisory Committee was formed in 2007 to, and I quote, review existing scientific literature to identify where there is sufficient evidence to develop a comprehensive set of specific physical activity recommendations right? Basically, they spent a year examining a ton of high-quality, peer-reviewed scientific studies on health, exercise, nutrition, etc., 
and in 2008 published a motherfucking 700-page report that summarized everything that had been proven about exercise. Not guessed, not urban legend, but proven. On page 273, here's a quote. Although physical activity is commonly prescribed to reduce overall obesity, the influence of exercise-induced weight loss on abdominal adiposity is not clear. That shit means there has never been a study that shows that exercise influences belly fat reduction. In chapter two, under the heading, The Health Benefits of Physical Activity, there are 15 conclusions listed as being found with strong evidence. And that's shit like uh, strengthen your heart, uh, gain some muscle, that kind of stuff, right? The only link between physical activity and the burning of body fat with strong evidence was written as this bullet point. When considering health benefits, weight loss, particularly when combined with reduced caloric intake. So there was not a standalone bullet point saying that they had proven that one of the benefits of physical activity is reduced weight loss. Now take a big drink as I serve from this piss ladle. One, there are numerous benefits to be gained through physical activity. Two, permanent diet change is a significantly more effective way to burn body fat than any type of physical activity. And three, while there does appear to be a connection between physical activity and fat loss, no credible scientific study exists that specifically links exercise of any kind to effective and efficient burning of body fat. Balanced Media, glad I could correct your shit. That was the first segment. And the second segment, that shit's over. Sometimes I ask myself a question that I don't know the answer to. Now hold your piss, those questions are extraordinarily rare. But the other day, I was thinking that even though I've been wearing glasses my whole life, I think I've hated almost every pair I've had. Now, obviously, that's not my fault. To find out who was really to blame, I decided to ask an expert. Ask an expert. Anita Bruckert, you are a licensed optician, and I don't know shit about your job. And I would love for you to fix that. I can fix that. I can tell you what the fuck I do. <laughs> Excellent. A very ground level introductory question. Optician versus optometrist versus ophthalmologist versus ornithopter. What is the difference? An optician basically fits and adjusts your glasses. Then an optometrist is the one who does your eye exam to get your prescription for your contacts or your glasses. The ophthalmologist is the one that takes care of all your problems. If you need surgery or if you have an eye disease or anything like that. What people get confused with the gynecologist, which is what we don't do. Oh, what is that? That is a lady doctor that examines all your lady parts. Oh. And we don't do that, but people call up and say that they went to the gynecologist and they have a prescription. I'll have to get someone else on to talk about that. An optician, it seems to be one of those weirdly under-regulated jobs 
where some states will res- will require licensing and certification in some ways and other states don't seem to. Yeah. So like when you go and get a haircut, all of your hairdressers, they're going to have their little license up in that little mirror that you're staring at the entire time. Right. So they have to go through training. They got to go to beauty school and they have to get a license in order to cut a piece of hair. But there are only 21 states in the U.S. that require anybody handling your eyes, your glasses, fitting you and making sure that you're seeing right actually have any sort of education. Well, how does that affect your ability to do your job? So most states that require licensing will typically pay more. We're a little bit more than an order taker. We have more background training. Um, We know a lot more about lenses and how to troubleshoot. We work a lot more with the doctors. Now, there's still some places that you can go to, what we call a a dock-in-the-box store. Oftentimes, they will hire opticians that aren't licensed and they will be kind of order takers. They'll sit down with you and write up your eyeglass order and take your measurements, but they haven't had official schooling on how to do this. Is this why it feels to me like there's kind of a trend to buy your glasses at Costco or you can buy your glasses online or you can just like find a box and get some glasses and then think you're good? Is that the side effect of states that aren't licensed or that don't encourage licensing? One, they don't have to pay their employees as much. Two, uh, they're a huge cooperation, right? So they basically find uh, warehouses uh, in the U.S. and China and India where they can buy mass amounts of cheap stock lenses uh, for a real low price. And it's not the same lens that a private doctor would use. They have a much lower cost to their goods and a lower cost to the employees. So yeah, so that's where you're going to save. Have you noticed as these sort of like discount glasses bins have become more popular that there has been a change in what customers expect or in the way that people wear their glasses or expect from what they expect from their glasses? I used to work at a private place that ended up getting a little more corporate and then got bought out and bought out and bought out and is now a dock in the box, so to speak. The patients have a different mindset when they go in there. And I think the expectation is different on a patient end. So when the patient walks into Costco, they're expecting to pay less for a pair of glasses Um, They might not expect to get the same quality, you know, but they're expecting a certain amount of quality that they would get, you know, anywhere else. However, we do have patients come into our office and say, well, you know, I can get the same lens over at Costco for, you know, X amount of money. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not really the same lens. So, you know, we have to kind of compare apples to apples if we're going to do that. So then as far as like specific lenses, you will do more in a shop that has more care (laughs) and uh, and maybe more uh, more professionalism as compared to like an off the shelf lens. What is the difference between a lens that you craft for me specifically and the same prescription that I find randomly somewhere else? One, private offices will have basically the world at our feet. If you think it, we can do it. 
If you want me to make you a pair of rainbow lenses, I can fucking do it. Yeah. If you can dream it, I can do it. We also have the advantage of getting the newest technology that's out there. So we have access to technology in lenses, in progressives, or in thinner, lighter lenses that other offices may not have, for example. So there's this prescription range, you know, you can't get there that you can get at a private office. So the access to product is different. Um, the ability to get whatever you want is different. Then when you get down to a basic lens, the quality of the basic lens is also different because it's coming from a different manufacturing standpoint. The basic material that they make a plastic lens out of is going to be inherently different. The optical quality is going to be a sharper and a little bit clearer. Who orders all these crappy frames that are in all the doctor's offices? Like, why are they there? I have a coworker that consistently ordered crappy frames and it drove me nuts. Um, but sometimes it's the doctors. Um, and sometimes you'll have a doctor that likes certain things and they'll order a certain way. Sometimes it's the opticians. Um, and sometimes the doctors will allow the opticians, the ones that are actually selling the glasses to order that. That's how my office works. We know what our patients want, so we order based on that. And then there's other offices um, that, and these are typically more corporate-run offices that will have them chosen by their corporate office, so people that aren't there. Now, there's also offices like big box stores that'll get uh, bulk discontinued frames, and you'll get a box of stuff you don't even know what's in it. So you could open it up and have like a hundred awesome frames or 50 frames that are crappy and five frames that are awesome. And the rest of them are kind of, eh, you know, you never know. I haven't actually bought frames online, but I'm thinking about it because the quality of frames that in every shop I've been to has left me wanting. Is it socially acceptable for me to just go into your office with frames that I got somewhere else and say, these are the ones that I want because all you suck. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, dude, you got to wear them. You got to wear what you like. I mean, there is no reason that anybody can't go buy a pair of frames that they like somewhere else and bring them to your optician to have them put lenses in it because you trust them. You know, it's like, it's something that you're going to have to wear on your face and you want to look good. Just because the shop doesn't have anything that you like, they shouldn't be offended. I always tell my patients, I am never offended if I pick something out and you're like, oh my God, Anita, this is not me. That's okay. And it's also okay if I pick something out and you like it, or I pick something out and you hate it, or if we can't find anything here, it's totally fine. You know, I will go places and see frames I've been to flea markets and seen frames and bought them there and gone and put my own lenses in them. Uh, what would you like to leave people with? Listen to your optician. We know prescriptions and we're not trying to lead you on. We're just trying to tell you what we think would be best for you. And don't ever try to adjust your own nose pads at home because you'll end up breaking your frames. So I can adjust the ears, but not the noses. Yeah, we don't usually see people breaking them when they're adjusting the ears. Well, that's good to know. Oh, and 
those little repair kits typically strip out the glasses when you use the screws, but they do work in temporary times. So does a toothpick. Let's all thank Anita for coming on and helping to fix our shit. One of the things I took away from our conversation is that some states do not give a thimble of rat piss about your eyes. The states that do not require opticians to wash their hands before rubbing your face are Alabama, Colorado, Delaware, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, motherfucker, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. That's good to know, and knowing is half the battle. That's it for this week. I'm Jonah, and I fixed your shit. Thank you, Anita Bruckhart. She helped fix your shit, too. Aaron Mixon is the announcer, and she is also qualified to fix your shit. Goodbye, and you're welcome. This episode was brought to you by No Pants. I didn't say no underwear, Carl.